My name is Nick Wagner Sr. and I am the founder of the Full Potential Movement. And welcome to another episode of the Full Potential Live Show with Nick Wagner Sr. And I realize that we are up against the Oscars tonight from a viewing perspective. We skipped last week because of the Super Bowl. I didn't think anyone was going to watch the Super Bowl last week, so I took a week off. But, you know, I thought, our Frank, I, I thought maybe the people watching this would be different from those watching the Oscars tonight. So I, I thought we'd move forward. So I am thrilled to be um, – I'm going to go ahead and call you a LinkedIn legend at this point, Frank, even though your LinkedIn career hasn't been that long. I think a lot of people know you. So this is Frank Mengert, who is – many of you know – Many of you know from LinkedIn, uh, but you might not know is what he does for his day job. Uh, maybe they do as an entrepreneur, um, a technology entrepreneur, along with benefits as well. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, man. I'm excited for this. Well, I, I really appreciate you making time. I know you're super busy. So first, thank you. Um, so well, I'll, I'll, I like to let my guests introduce themselves. So if you were going to go meet someone for the first time and introduce Frank, so say you went to a conference or something. What what would be your uh, your your two minute Frank Frank uh, Frank intro? Yeah, that's a good one because so so I I like that because I'm always not about who I am what I do for a living. Um, I'm about who I am as Frank as a person, and um, I like to sometimes throw this at people and say that every day I wake up inspired to be a better version of myself, and I do that uh, by three principles, which is learn, create, and share. I try to do that every day. I try to build that into my life every day. I try to build that into my life and I'm trying to be a better version of myself. So uh, I do that a lot because I like to learn from people that I meet. Um, so that kind of puts things in a different perspective, especially in a networking environment, because I, I like to listen. I like to learn about other people, their experiences, and of course, uh, share share with what I have as well. So, um, so that is what I would probably do if we were at a networking event. But uh, for the purpose of this show, I um, I run a national employee benefits technology firm uh, located um, in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, we have an office in Chicago as well, and uh, we work with insurance brokers and insurance carriers. And uh, our end user is our, our HR firms, so they can they use our product to deliver their employee benefits. So think medical, dental, vision, uh, all those things that they offer to their employees as a platform for them to enroll on. And they can automate a lot of things that they would do manually. And, and of course, a lot of areas around uh, areas around uh, uh, um, compliance. And, and essentially, we're putting time back into HR professionals days. Very, very interesting. So and we'll and we will, we will dive much deeper into what what that is. And you know how you ended up in that business, um, you know, and and you know, and it's. I think you've been doing it now since I believe it was 2011, according to your LinkedIn. So it's been a little been a little while. So we'll we'll dive into that. But I love what you what you started with and how you describe yourself because I think, and you'll you'll agree with this. I think a lot of people who what they do for work defines them rather than who they are. Right. So I love how you introduce yourself as um, a little a little bit differently. I enjoy that. So why don't we? Before we go into your life as an entrepreneur and your life on LinkedIn and your tens of thousands of followers and your, I think, I want to say almost daily videos. I believe they're daily at this point. Maybe you have a couple of days where you don't post the videos, but there's a lot of videos. Mm -hmm. um, let's start with let's let's go back and start with let's let's go back in time, and and back to when you were a little Frank. Did you always dream of being an entrepreneur? Because I always I love to hear that story from people because. It, it, it's all it always um it's always an interesting journey so did you is that what you wanted to do when you were a little kid uh no no i don't think i, I didn't think i know what an entrepreneur really was back then I, I will tell you that when i look back at my life i i had entrepreneurial dna i had tidbits of entrepreneurship in me i just didn't know that that's what that was mm -hmm. um, but i think it was inside of me so um yeah i mean when i was younger i wanted to be a doctor uh, my mother wanted me to be a preacher so, or a pastor. So, um, so those, those were kind of my aspirations back then. Uh, I think if you would have asked me when I was a uh, young Frankie baby, I would have said I wanted to be a doctor. Interesting. Okay. And did you have, so you ended up being an entrepreneur. Were there entrepreneurs in your life growing up, your life growing up that maybe you, you met or you looked up to? Like, was there a family member that was an entrepreneur or a family friend? Uh, I mean, my my godfather was pretty successful. He was a professional kickboxer. Oh, wow. um, 
Yeah, it's like worldwide kickboxer, very well known, had a successful career and uh, made a lot of money and parlayed uh, that career into entrepreneurship. So he was he was someone I looked up to because of the fact that he had nice stuff, but he also he, he was always building something new. Uh, he owned a string of car washes and he's done all these different things, but uh, he's been very successful. And he was always someone as a kid that I, I looked up to. Yeah, it's just, I, I think it's interesting because I think there's especially as a kid, you know, we're so, we're so easily influenced as kids, right? That we see things and we, and we, we don't maybe realize it, but we, 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 we take note of things, right? So maybe, you maybe you noted, oh, wow, look how successful so-and-so is because he, he's an entrepreneur, right? So maybe he, he's an entrepreneur, right? So maybe, maybe that played into it. So, so, so you wanted to be a doctor. Um, what was first job you got paid for like not necessarily out of college, but first job you got paid for maybe middle school, high school, like what, what were, I'm, I'm sure you were hustling back then too. What were you doing as, as young Frank uh, to make money? Well, so the first job I got paid for that wasn't a legitimate taxes taken out of my paycheck um, was probably part of that. What I was referring to as, as as things I did as an entrepreneurial mind that I had. I, as a kid, I grew up in South Florida and I noticed that a lot of people's lawns were, were very long uh, and people didn't cut them. So I would take our, we owned a push lawnmower um, and I would take our lawnmower and I would push it around the neighborhood and I would at, knock on people's doors and say, hey, your lawn's really long, I'll cut it. And um, the funny thing was, is I was probably, was is I was probably maybe around eight, nine years old and I wow. couldn't start the lawnmower. So it was a pull start and I couldn't start it. So the person whose door I knocked on would have to start the lawnmower for me so I could push it for them. But I, I did that and uh, I used to push my lawnmower all around, weed whacking, everything. I would do everything as a young kid and I would That's make awesome. probably 10, 15 bucks. Um, so that was probably the first time I remember getting paid to do something. Um, and, and then when I got a little younger, part of, again, just referring to the entrepreneurial piece, I used to sell candy in middle school. I would go to uh, the supermarkets down in Florida where it's called Publix. I would go to Publix. I would buy candy in bulk and I would go to school and I would sell it during the day for like a quarter for a blow pop and all this stuff. So I would, I would push candy. So those are the things that I, that's, I remember those uh, as making money back then um, and, and a little hustling. Um, but my first job was a, I was a, a bagger at a, a, a bagger at um, uh, here in East Haven here in Connecticut um, at uh, Pathmark it was called so it was a supermarket and I bagged yeah. I bagged groceries. Yeah, no, it's uh, I love I love asking that question because I think a lot of people when we talk about people's careers, like I mentioned, they're so diverse and there's so many different times throughout your career that mold you into who you are today and it starts really young, right? A lot of people don't think of it, but like it starts really young. So I just love hearing what people did as, as little kids. So, so how did you go from, so you grew up in Florida. How did you end up in Connecticut in, in the New Haven area? Um, so that, that I, want, I want to hear how that, that happened. My, and my, my second question to go along with that is when you were in high school, when you, when you were doing that job as a, as in the grocery store, was your intention always to go to college? I know you went to college for computer science. Was that like, were your parents like, Frank, you're going to college, or was that something that that was negotiable? So the two two questions. Well, so the two two questions. Yeah. So I had no choice but to move to Connecticut. Um, my mother, uh, she wanted to move to Connecticut. She wanted to start a new life with her and my father. I have an older brother, and I have two. I have a younger brother, a younger sister. So she, oh, wow. I had no choice. My my mom wanted a fresh start. She wanted to leave Florida back in uh, in the mid '80s, and she we we all moved as a family. Uh, to Connecticut to, to, to start a new life. Um, so that uh, there coming up here, I had no choice. Uh, the second part of your question, um, uh, no one in my family's ever went to college. Um, so um, they would definitely were not forcing me to go to college. I, they probably wanted me to get, my father was a truck driver. Um, and I probably at some point in, if around high school, if you would have asked me what I was going to be, I probably would have said I was going to be a truck driver because uh, I didn't mm-hmm. have, uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't, uh, you know, in, in that young, in my mind, I, I wasn't sure if college was going to be the thing for me or college was going to be the thing for me or not. I know I wanted to go. I just didn't think I was going to be afforded the opportunity. So, no, I think, I think, and I, again, I think what your, your parents experience with or without college, I think influences a lot of kids experiences with or without college. 
And, you know, it, it, I find it interesting because it, there's so many, I think the days of high schools pushing every kid's got to a four-year, go to a four-year college seems to be changing, which I think is a good thing because I think there's so many kids that could benefit from the military or a technical college, or there, there's so many other options besides just a four-year college. So it's just, I, th- I think it's interesting how that's kind of transitioning. So you didn't think you were going to go to college. You ended up going, and you ended up going for one of the hardest possible majors you can you can go for, computer science. So is let let's talk, let's break that down. Was was technology and computers always like a thing of yours? Was that that you always loved? Because no one just wakes up one day and says, "I'm going to be a computer science major." I'm going to be a computer science major because that's really hard. Yeah. So, and I don't want to discount myself or play down who Frank is. I I I, I am I am. I am very book smart. Um, I was always smart in school. I was in talented and gifted programs and, you know, had a very IQ. I was tested very, very young. So I I am a a bright person. I just, I come from very humble backgrounds and just didn't think that college was in the cards for me. So, um, so I, yeah, school was, was fun for me. It was actually sometimes kind of boring, but school was really fun for me and I did enjoy it. Um, when I went, it's a funny story. When I first started to go to school, I thought I was going to be a business major. I figured I'm going to, you know, business, that's a great way to go. I'll yeah. land something good. Um, and early, I, I mean, it was probably a, 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 not even a few weeks into school, I realized that uh, I needed a computer. And I, and I didn't own one. Uh, family, no one had a computer. And I went on back then it was called bargain news. Um, so there was a paper, you can open it up and you can search for just about anything. It's like the modern day Craigslist. I yeah. guess. Um, so I went on bargain news and I was looking for computers and I found uh, a guy who had a you know, bunch of computer parts or, you know, I, I don't remember the ad clearly, but several computer items, keyboards, mice, this and that. Uh, willing to sell it, you know, in bulk, it was like 350 bucks. So I didn't have 350 bucks, but I, I figured I would go up there anyway. Um, and I went up to his house and I remember, um, it's just crazy how like life plays out, but I remember pulling up to this beautiful house. Um, there was this big like barn garage that you, there was like, it was open and this guy had tractors and this lawn was green and his house was beautiful with a pool. And I was just like, man, this, this guy's living the life. And I remember he brought me into this garage. I remember he brought me into this garage. He's like, Hey, come on back. You know, I'm pulling this garage. And he's like, Oh, you know, he's just making small talk with me, showing me all the computer stuff. And he's like, you know, what are you going to do with all this? And I, I told him, I said, listen, I'm, I started school. I'm, I'm, I was going to school to be uh, going to school for business. And uh, I need a computer. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't have one. And, um, and I really can't afford one. Um, so we were just talking for a little bit and we're going through all the stuff. And he said to me, um, I don't want to, I don't want to give this to you. He said, I want you to remember that you got this and that you, there was a price to pay for it. This guy was like really impactful on me. Yeah. And, um, he charged me 50 bucks for all this stuff. And I filled my trunk with all this computer stuff and I brought it home and I didn't know what to do with it. It was like stuff everywhere. So I started taking it apart and all these parts and everything, screwdrivers. And, and I was a, always a tinker. I call myself a tinker as a kid. I used to take myself a tinker as a kid. I used to take apart everything, toasters, you name it. I would take it all apart, put it back together. So I was taking all this computer stuff apart, putting it together. And I ended up getting one to work. And it was like the aha moment for me. I said, I don't want to be a business major. I want to do computer science. So I, I, had sw- I switched my major to computer science and loved Loved computers, so just ate it up. On the hardware side, I'm not. I mean, I had to do programming because of my majors, but um, right. love, love computers. So that way, and, and you had never had a computer before that. Never, no, we never not, in our home never owned a computer. No, that that is that is that, I mean, that is a really impactful story, and it's just interesting because it. I I was a computer science major at UConn my freshman year, my all my whole freshman year. And I actually went the opposite way. I was like, this is too technical for me. And I actually switched to management information systems, which is like IT and business. It's like kind of a mix. So we went we went opposite ways. Um, but we were very different because I grew up like building my own computers. Like I was like my own computers. Like I was like going to computer shows and buying computer parts, like a total nerd, like from mowing lawn, you know? So um, that's such a cool story. So what, so you, 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 you switched to computer science. Like how hard was it picking up all this really technical stuff that you really had never done before. 
Man, I'll tell you, I absorbed it. I loved, um, and that's kind of me. I still have that mentality to t- today. I do stuff. I go all in. Like I just want to. I'll 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 pick it apart. I'll, I'll try to learn everything about it, and 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 seeing a motherboard with all the components on it, and pulling out a CPU, and back then with the old uh, the chips and how they used to be. I mean, it's crazy yep. the way equipment used to be back then and how it is now. When I take a computer apart now, I'm like, whoa. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, so it's funny, but it was, I, I, I loved it and I, I just went all in and, um, I mean, in, in school it was fun too. Um, I, I really enjoyed being around people and learning. I think a lot of people, like you think a lot of people, like you mentioned to earlier, people discount school and people knock college. You know, I think, um, you know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur nowadays and, and entrepreneurship has been glamorized, but. I, I would tell people to, to if you have the opportunity to give school a try, I, I would not just discount school and not go. I think there's a lot of value out of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I didn't pay $60,000 a year for school. So I'm coming from a different perspective, but you don't need to go to a $60,000 school. I, I think there's a lot of value in professors and people and, and what you take away. So it, no, it was I, a lot of fun. I think you're right. I mean, there's community college. There's a lot of great community colleges, technical colleges. You don't have to go to like an elite four-year college. I think you bring up a great point. It's it's not just the the knowledge you learn in the classroom, but it's also like all those life experiences you get with all the other all the other students, with the professors. There's just so many different experiences there that I think mold people to who they are. So I think I think that's well said. So so you're in so you're in college. You, you get a computer science major. And then you started your first business, it looks like right after school, right? Or did you start it during school? Like, how did that happen? Are you like another Mark Zuckerberg and you were like coding in your dorm room? And like, how did this happen? <laughs> I wish. Funny. So I get another funny story. And this is great because, you know, I, I've never told these stories. So um, uh, so, so um, I'm in school and I was working for a company that helped pay for, for college for me. Um, so I got a, I had I was I got a real job. So I was working and going to school full time, too. So I would work from 11 at night until seven in the morning. I was, I worked for a, a company in Guilford called Arkwright. It was a, they made photographic paper. Um, oh, wow. So I, I would work there overnight on this machine and you know, it was nothing to do with computers or everything. It was a, just a, just a job that was paying me decent money and was, they were helping pay for school. So I'd go to school 11, I would go to uh, work 11 o'clock, seven in the morning. I'd get out, I'd go to school, get out. I'd go to school from probably eight 30 to around four o'clock. And I'd come home, get my homework done, get a little sleep, rinse and repeat. And I do it over and over again. So when I, and they would help pay for school. So I got, I was getting academic scholarships. uh, And then I was getting, um, I was getting payment from them too, to help pay for the rest, books and all types of other things. So it was a good gig. I learned, I learned a lot from the the job too. Uh, It was a good experience, but it's when I, I graduated in about a couple months later, I walked into work one day and this job right now, I got my computer science degree. I thought I was going to work in the front office. This was a big, big company. And I thought I'd work my way up into the front. I'd be the IT guy, you know, run, be part of their, their information technology uh, department. Yeah. And I walked in one day and uh, uh, they were like, you have to go into the, the, um, the it's like a cafe. There were they had vending machines and tables where you can eat and stuff. So I walk in there and there's the plant manager and I remember her name was Noreen Connolly. I remember her name was Noreen Connolly, and she was sitting there and asked me to have a seat. And she said, uh, "We're going to lay you off today." And uh, and I was just like completely shocked. Um, and I lost my job, so uh, it was a shocker to me. Not only because I thought I I thought I was I knew my job very well. Um, I, I put in a lot of effort. Like I said, I'm a, I go all in. So I knew yeah. I knew how to coat paper paper better than anyone. Like I was, the, I was the guy that ran the ovens and dampers and all this coating and the viscosity of the fluid, stuff that I like knew nothing about, but I learned because right. I wanted to be the best. Um, so I was the best person they had in that department. And I, and I said to her, I said, how can you let me go? I'm the best you got. And she said, because you'll recover. She said, if I let some of these other guys have been here 20, 30 years, they won't recover, but you will. Wow. And, and I didn't get it at the time, but it was a sh- super, super it was a crazy life experience for me because it, she was right. She um, was right. Then, um, but at the time, I didn't, I didn't want to hear it. It's actually probably one of the greatest compliments you can give someone. Um, but at the time, you were probably not happy, of course. But that's interesting. Um, so, so I mean, and, and tied to that, yeah. So I had a side hustle. 
Hmm. Uh, at the time, I was fixing computers for people, just kind of break fix stuff. You know, hey, I, I was trying to learn. So people, you know, they would know me as a computer guy. You know, I went to school for com computer science. So something would go wrong with their computer. And I was the guy that was fixing it. And I would do more and more and take it on. And that side hustle, when I lost my job, um, turned into my main hustle um, out of necessity. Because right, I was right. like, I can go find another job or maybe I can pursue this and it can work. So I decided to, to go the route of trying to trying to be the computer uh, start the IT side, and that was the and that was the IT solutions consulting company. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So you started off fixing, just doing like heart break fix type things, but I mean you did it for almost eight years. So I'm assuming it evolved quite a bit. So can you tell us a little bit about? So that was like your first company that you owned, right? Like. Yes. How big did it get? Did you have employees? Like, what was the what was the evolution of that over eight years? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I had employees. Had um, I, I had it was a slow start. It didn't happen overnight. It was a lot of work. I, I remember taking on um, work. Uh, I was signed up and took contracts on, and I was trying to recruit business, trying to get business of, of companies. I used yeah. to walk and 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 go door to door and say, hey, you know, you need an IT person and I would knock on businesses. So I did a lot of that in the beginning, but over time got built the brand, uh, built a, a customer base up. And 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 really I was during that time, this was you know mid you know, about 2004, 2005 when I was before 2005 when I was growing the company, not a lot of people were doing uh that you couldn't it wasn't as easy to find skilled IT people. And um, and even if you could, the rate was really high. And, and back then I've kind of found out, you know, Hey, my, what should our rate be? And our rate was around 125 bucks an hour, which seems like a lot of money. Um, but in the IT space, it really wasn't. So yeah. I was aggressive with my pricing, but learned a lot and, and built, was able to build a customer base and, and had a lot of fun doing that over the years. And, I, and like, like you said, I did that for about eight years until I lost my passion for it. I really was. I wasn't excited about it anymore, and and I knew that it was time for me to to get out. So before we before we switch to the next entrepreneurial adventure, do you remember what it was like? Because I I was an entrepreneur at one point. I sold the business. Do you remember the first person you hired as an employee? Yes. Because that is always I feel. Because that is always I feel for an entrepreneur like a big deal when you hire your first employee. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. You know, you have to, you have to have money to pay for that person. So there's a lot of mixed emotions around it, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a little mix of both of that, yeah. um, but it was an exciting time, but it was also a sign of growth, which was always fun. So, and, and I want to, I want to ask because obviously you and I graduated from college around the same time. Zuckerberg was building Facebook in his dorm when we were in college, right? LinkedIn started, I think, around the early 2000s, but I, I wasn't on LinkedIn for quite a bit of time after that. Were you, because you're like a social media guru at this point, were you using social media with your first business back, you know, in the in the 2000s? Like, how are you using social media at that point, or were you not? No, no. So social media wasn't a thing. Um, mailers, stuffers, you know, that's a, it was a paper-based product. Back it was then. Old. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It's just, it, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's just, it's crazy how quickly things have changed when you think about how social media has evolved, like everything that we do. So I just want, I wanted to ask that question because like you are so good at it now. I didn't know if this was, if you had done it for quite a bit of time and then just kind of evolved. I wish, I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. If we, if we were that smart, we, we, we would, uh, We'd have even a bigger presence on uh, on social media. So, so you said you lost your passion for the business. So, what did you do with the business? Did you sell it? Did you close it? Like, yeah, how, yeah. How, did that, how did how did that happen? Yep, sold it off. Yeah, sold, sold it off. So, um, yep, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a success. So, I mean, that was great. But it just you know, it's it's funny when you like today. Uh, I spoke at an event uh, last week, and and I it was it was an insurance event. Um, but I, someone was saying, "Wow, you can see how much passion you have for what you do." And and I, I love hearing that because you know I've been doing this now for a little while, and and I do have a lot of passion for it. I, I love doing what I do every day, and I and, when, and I know that if I and I and, when, and I know that if I start to lose that, um, and there's a point where it's not coming back, you know, because you could go through phases where you're like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm not so passionate today." Yeah. But if you go in that if that decline, and you know that it's it, and you're, there's no coming back from that. Then I think it's you have to have that 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 realization that you need to you need to change something or get out of it. Well, I mean, I think especially as an entrepreneur, because it, it's 
the business is yours, right? So, and you're everyone that you're that's working for you is looking to you as that visionary to drive the the success of the business and the excitement of the business and and to motivate them and inspire them. And if you're not all in, people can tell, right? So, um, I think I think that's a uh, I think that's a great point. Um, so let, let's talk about how did you end up founding EBM, right? Like how was and what was EBM what it is today when you started in 2011 was like, was, was that your vision from the beginning or how did that evolve? Yeah. So, evolve. yeah. So, um, so, so oddly enough, no, it was, no, it, it was, uh, something. So in the insurance industry, um, president Obama at the time came out with the affordable care act, which most of us know about it. It's the insurance mandate, which requires you to have insurance or requires your employer to, to provide you with insurance. If you're a large company, right. So, President Obama came out with that. It was passed and the insurance industry was like just chaotic. A lot of insurance firms thought they were losing, going to lose all their money, lose their business. And um, my father-in-law has had a successful career in the insurance industry. Um, about you know 40 he's retired now but he was you know this time 30 something years in the insurance industry and I was you know around it all the time and knowing that I'm you know, coming from the IT side and, and, and understanding technology my vision was well how hard can it be to to go in there because there was a thing called private uh, a thing called private uh, public exchanges so public yep. exchanges were a way for you to go and get insurance uh, and be funded by the uh, by the government so a private exchange was kind of the flip side of that. Insurance brokers can offer private insurance on an exchange and, and they can still make money. So I was like, wow, how hard can this be? Um, and it was hard. <laughs> and um, and, and I, insurance is tough, man. Insurance is a difficult thing to be in. And so I applaud the folks that we work with because they do amazing jobs. They have to know a lot. Um, but private exchanges was a, had popped for a very little time uh, when I started EBM and it, 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 it failed very quickly. It got a lot of hype and then went away. Um, but I had luckily invested in a, a technology that allowed me to pivot. So uh, I just flipped to straight up benefits technology. Um, so I was able to sustain it and I was able to continue to grow the business to what it is today. That's to what it is today. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned one of my favorite words, pivot. Um, because I believe, and I pivoted a number of times in my life, both, you know, with, with personal projects, with experiences at work. And if I hadn't made that pivot, I don't think I'd be su as successful as I was. So go, go back to that point where you had to make that decision. Was it easy? Was it hard? Were you scared? Like, you know, or, or, or was it, or like, walk us through that because I think a lot of people are so they come up with an idea, Frank, and they're like, I'm going to do this. And they start a business or they start an initiative. And they're I'm going to do this. And then when it doesn't work or go the way they think, they're afraid to make that pivot. And if you don't, if they don't make that pivot, they end up failing. So how, how did you like, how did you get the guts to make the pivot and change? So while we're on this, I'll tell you two things that I would recommend to anyone. If they're watching now, if they watch this on a replay, Two things, if you want to be an entrepreneur that I would say or an entrepreneur that I would say are very important are, are being able to pivot and the ability to take risk. Yeah. Uh, those are two things that I've learned. So those, and we can always touch on that after, but that, why we're on that topic, those two things are extremely important. So, yeah, so the pivot um, was kind of, for me, it was, it was, it was the, ch the chance I had to take. I knew that if, if I stuck with private exchanges my vision and because people wrote it out for maybe another two years after I took the dip. Yeah. Said, now I'm out of here. Um, I knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere. I had a feeling that this was going to die. And the people that were, that were trying to make it work were people who invested a ton of money. And there was these stakeholders that wanted, they, 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 they had to see it work and they were right. so stuck in that tunnel vision. I wasn't, I was, you know, younger and I was able to pivot. So, um, so it was, it was an easier decision for you to make. And I knew that if I was going to be successful, this, it's what I had to do. So, no, and I think, I think, it's, I think that's great advice. And, and again, I think the, the and again, I think the, the advice of, of, of pivoting can really, even if you're not an entrepreneur, even in a, in a corporate setting, I think can really benefit, you know, benefit you uh, from, from a career perspective. So I appreciate you sharing that. So today, right. So, so EBM, You've been doing it now since 2011. So nine years later, you know, how big is the business? What is your role there on a day-to-day -day basis? 
And 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 my next question is, how does that tie into everything you do online with LinkedIn? And I want to hear how how that connects. <laughs> Um, so the business is more successful, honestly, than I could have ever dreamed it is. And I'm very- Congratulations. That, that's awesome news. Yes. Yes. And I, I feel very blessed to be where I'm at today. I don't take anything for granted. Um, and I don't think that it, it's, I owe it all to me either. I know I have a great team of people, you know, 40 something people that work for EBM. So oh, wow. very, very thankful for them. Um, and, and yes, so, um, and, and yes, so very successful business, um, and, and it's a great place to be in. So love it. Um, and, um, it's, it's doing very well. So, um, I mean, the, the social media aspect of it and how I got into social media, you know, is just something that happened outside of you know, me running a company because I am involved very heavily in the day-to-day -day operations of the company, but it's how I want to be. We have people that do certain things. Which right. I feel any any business is going to be successful. You got to have people who are accountable, responsible, and, and know their roles and know how to get them done. And and I have I'm very grateful for the people that I have on my team. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm involved. I love what I love to do. It's it's funny. I'm involved in a lot of the the small not smaller things, but the interactions with our broker partners that we work yeah. with. And and some of them are like, should we be working with someone else on your team? And I'm like. No, no, because this is what I love to do. Like this, it makes me excited. Um, so I am involved. I, I work. I inter involved. I, I work. I interact with a lot of our partners uh, to help them win business. What we do is help insurance brokers and consultants win, yeah. win business and, and and keep that business. And I love to win. I am very competitive. And 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 no, so you don't, you don't the people we work with. What's that? You're competitive. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, if you're in first, you're last, baby. <laughs> so. So, so you're not the marketing department of the business. I'm assuming you have people that help with marketing and help with sales. Yep. Explain to me how you went from, and I, I connected with you. I think we connected on the phone. Like I, I, it's gotta be, I want to say it was 2018 when we, we connected a while ago and you didn't have, I think, I don't know, 20,000 followers on LinkedIn. Right. So what, when did you join? Like, let's hear the LinkedIn story. Like, when did you join? Why did you join? And what was your intent when you got on the platform? I joined LinkedIn around 2010 okay. uh, because uh, that's about the time like I was getting out of the IT business. I was getting out of the IT business, getting into the insurance business. So I was kind of like, I don't know, am I going to you know, get a job somewhere? <laughs> or, um, you know, what am I doing? So, so I kind of went to LinkedIn to see what was out there. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so I've been on LinkedIn since for about you know, since about 2010. I joined. So, so been on here for a while. And. Uh, but 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 you weren't creating content when you like for for years, right? Yeah, no. I think the only person who's been creating content that long is Brian Schulman. Shout out to him. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I I so how I started creating content, I guess we'll get right into that. Because yes, when you and I met, 2018, I kind of started getting active on the platform. You know, maybe yeah, you know, I was you know sharing some articles. You know, maybe you know chiming in on people's posts. Um, I think, I, 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 and I think that's how a lot of people start. Yeah, yeah, and that's fun. Nothing wrong. That's great. You, right, yeah. you, you dip your feet in, it, see how things go. You know, interact, learn a little bit, and that's me. I was kind of like lurking, um, and um, and May of 2018, um, I met uh, someone. Some of you may know Gary Vaynerchuk, and um, he, him, and I sat down. We had an awesome conversation, and he told me a lot of great things. But one of the things he said to me was, "You need to start." making video on LinkedIn. I remember I could see him sitting there telling me, he's like, start making video on LinkedIn. He's like, you do that. And it's going to not only change your life professionally, but also personally. And, and I was just like, you know, kind of skeptical because I was like, no, who wants to see me? But that's, that kind of changed my, my perspective on LinkedIn. And it actually, I didn't create my first video till November of that year. So I really didn't believe, imagine getting advice from Gary Vee and saying, yeah, okay. I'm going to tuck so, that in. So can, can we pause there for a second? Because I think a lot of people that are either watching this live or are going to watch this on YouTube or listen to it on the podcast are asking themselves right are asking themselves right now, how did you get a get a meeting with Gary V? Because so many people love Gary V. So how how did that happen, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so Gary V, now he has it's back then, I'm not sure exactly, but now it's called four D's. Um, yeah. And it's a thing where you can pay. It's probably a lot of money to pay to sit down and meet with Gary V. 
Um, so there, that's what it was. It was a kind of a meeting that he had um, with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Got it. Now it's called now it's called Four Ds, but you can pay to, back then. You could pay. I actually was lucky enough to get a spot on uh, not paying, and um, and yeah, I got to sit with him and, and meet some of his team, and it was pretty pretty amazing. So he tells you in May to make video on LinkedIn, and you don't do it till November. Yeah, yeah, literally. I walked out of there all fired up. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Had a bunch of stuff, notes. I made, I recorded stuff. I, I recorded stuff on my phone. You know, just all this stuff. I had, you know, no, so many notes. And I was thinking more from a business mind of the stuff right. that I can kind of do in the business and kind of put the whole video content creation thing and kind of in the back burner. So did 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 you have a personal brand online? Before no, you started this, you did so, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, in all reality, because I, I think it's important for anyone who, who might see this at any point in time, who says, "Oh, I'm not going to create content." I was the same way because people see me now and they're like, "Dude, you, you're, you know, you're crushing on LinkedIn. You do all this. You make videos and whatever." Yeah, that's me now. Um, and, and in all honesty, before I, what took me that gap there to create content was because I thought no one was going to listen to me. I thought I had nothing to talk about, and I was just petrified of people of haters. You know, people are going to say that. You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. You're ugly. You know, trolling all this stuff that was mentally slowing me down in my head, yeah. but was just stupid things that I had to get over. And it took me that time to get over. And one day I just literally, one day I just literally just whipped out my phone and said, "All right, I'm going to create a piece of content." And I did. And then I've been, you know, slowly building over time. I mean, back then it was in November, you know, 2018. I, I had uh, 500 connections on LinkedIn, and I was and then I started creating a piece of content a week, and now I do six pieces a week. So it's interesting. I think I think a couple of things you said resonate with a lot of people. I think a lot of people think to themselves, I'm not interesting. No one wants to hear me talk. And and I it's funny because I completely disagree with that when people say that. And that's why do I think I interview people every Sunday night to hear their career stories? Because everyone's story is so unique it can help someone else. And that's the beauty of LinkedIn is it's this giant community of people helping each other, right? So your career stories can hopefully inspire and motivate others um, to help with their career. So it's, but it's always interesting to hear people say that. Cause I'll tell people that we're going to interview them for 40 to 50 minutes. And they're like, no one wants to hear me talk for that long. Nick, I'm like, trust me, it's going to go that long. And people are going right? to go that long and people are going to right. So I think that's interesting. And then the other thing that really I find, I find interesting is you are a successful competitive human yet. You still had the, like that mental, like that mental mind game, where you were like, should I really do this? And there's going to be people that are going to be negative, right? And that still prevented you, even someone as successful and 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 confident as you from from stopping yourself. So think about all the people out there that aren't as successful as you and aren't as confident as you that are having that exact that same conversation with themselves. Yeah, yeah, and and it's true. It was my own. I had my own block going out of my head. I was I was playing I was playing offense and defense in my own brain. It, I just, I, I'm sure so many people do that, Frank. And it's so what I guess my question for you then is what finally got you to say, you know what, like, screw it, I'm just gonna make a video. Like, what was that thing that finally pushed you, pushed you to do it? Well, I'll tell you, I remember it. Well, I'll tell you, I remember exactly the, the day I picked up my phone and made my first video. Um, I made a promise to myself and I said, I'm not, I'm gonna make this video, I'm gonna post it. Uh, don't care how it comes out. Um, I'm, I'm going to post it and I'm not going to be concerned with the views, the likes, the comments, any of that stuff, whatever right. happens is going to happen. Um, and, and I still, even though now I, I post and I get a lot of engagement, I'm, I'm very thankful for the connections that I have on, on LinkedIn. It's been very good to me, but I, I, I don't, I'm not posting stuff out there because of, I'm not, I'm not a view counter because I want to, Oh God, I, I hope this goes viral. Right. I, I love Nothing is more important to me than someone hitting me up with a message or dropping a comment saying, hey, man, you, you made my day. I needed this. I needed to see this. And that's what that's why I continue to create content. That's what inspires me. So what was because I, 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 I was just on a podcast that's going to be coming out and that's going to be coming out. And we were talking about personal branding and the, the, the person who interviewed me said, so what was your why? Like, why did you start posting content? Like, what was the driver for you? Like, was it, I know Gary obviously told you to do it, right? But what, what ultimately was it, did you think it was going to help your business? Did you think it was going to help you professionally? Like, what was that why that you started? 
Yeah, I, I honestly didn't, you know, there wasn't the motive of, wow, this is going to make me successful in my business. I had no idea that creating content, if I knew, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I had no idea back when I put my first video out that, you know, fast forward to today, the things that have happened because I've created content would have happened because I don't think it would have happened. I think I would have had a, a weird mindset where I would have been like greedy and kind of like, oh, I would have wanted the vanity metrics. I went into it not caring about the vanity metrics and right. amazing things happened. So I'm very glad that I went about it that way because literally my my why of why I did it because I wanted to share. I, I loved and I was very when I started sharing content it was very insurance specific. It was very insurance specific. I was kind of talking to my peers yeah. and sharing things. So it was really just hey man, I'm I, I wanted to build a community um, and I was more focused narrow on the insurance space, but I, I was trying to build my tribe. Yeah, and I love how it's evolved, right? Because you went from doing mostly you know, your, your industry type, type content to name, you know, it, it, you, you have a variety of things now you do, right? A lot of, you know, all, all sorts of different videos. I mean, I could, we could, we could talk for an hour just about the different content you make. So I want to bring another point you made though, because you said originally you were posting once a week. And I think, I think your evolution is like a lot of people, right? It's like, you try it, you use just your phone, right? You post once a week and you're like, okay, this is cool. Right. And then you realize, well, maybe I should do something else, right? And then you start getting, like, I've seen your video about how, how you make the content with the better camera, right? And, like, you, you got the nicer camera, you got the light, you got the microphone, right? Light, you got the microphone, right? And now you do it six days a week. So how important is it that you're posting consistently? I, I, always, I always want to ask that question because I think a lot of people don't realize how important that is. Um, it, consistency is super important. If you're going to do something – you're not going to know. And I was posting for months before and I wasn't tracking anything and I was yeah. just putting content out there, engaging with people, meeting people, being really happy that I was like, you know, got to meet so many amazing people and, and just sharing. So uh, I think over time, the consistency of it was me. Again, I'm a kind of person that I want to see stuff to the end. I mean, I do stuff and I, I really do. I go all in. I try I try to master everything. So and that's a, a good thing and a bad thing about me, but I won't get into that right now. But I, I, I was very consistent. I wanted to continue to do it. Wasn't had no motive for it. Truly wasn't trying to have any gain out of it. And even now when people ask me, like, what's your, you know, what, what are you trying to do? What, 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 are, you, what, what are you trying to do? What, what, what are you, what's the, the end goal for this? And I'm like, what there's no goal. I mean, this is it. I get to, every day I show up and I get to meet yeah. amazing people. And it's, I, we have this, networking in front of us that it might not be here forever. So I'm enjoying it while I have the time and I, I, I am, it's done great things for me. Gary was right. Business professionally could not have ever dreamed that LinkedIn would do for me what it has. And I'm, I'm so grateful. But again, if LinkedIn went away tomorrow, I, I'll still be here. And my business will still run. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I think when you, when you look at, the, the why for a lot of people, I think you really, you have a really great point, right? You didn't go into it obsessing over the likes and the comments, right? Or the views you, you went into it more with that growth mindset of, Hey, I want to learn build a community and help my fellow, my fellow industry, industry peers, which is, which is really cool. Uh, so let's, let's talk about a couple of the things. A couple of the things I want to, I want to talk about with LinkedIn. Then I want to go, we'll, we'll close with, we'll do some rapid fire, quick, quick questions. And then we'll, we'll close out with the last question. So, so to, to, to kind of wrap up the LinkedIn piece, when when people ask you like, how do I how do I get started creating content, right? And and, and whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or, or Facebook or YouTube, whatever whatever it is, what, what is what's your one piece of advice for people that wanna that wanna get started with creating content? Because you brought up so many great points. I think so many people can can relate to how you originally felt. What, what's your one piece of advice for creating content for people? The one piece of advice is just to start. Um, that's literally that easy because I, I have an Instagram channel. I, I don't have a huge following, you know, thousand yeah. followers. I've got it. I started a YouTube, you know, I've, I've been pretty successful there with some views and some subscribers, but again, you know, a thousand subscribers or so. So just because I'm, I'm doing well on LinkedIn doesn't mean I'm be, do well on other platforms, do well on other platforms. So I had to pick my audience. I had to pick where I wanted to go all in and, and dedicate. And I, and I did that and I was LinkedIn, but I also didn't know, anything. I just started. I one day pick up this phone and created a video. And over time I've evolved. And that's the thing. It's like, you don't know 
what you're good at and what stories you want to tell and all these types of things until you start. If you don't start, you're never going to know. So I think the first thing to do is actually start. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. And we'll just for everyone listening uh, and watching on YouTube, listening to the podcast, we will link to Frank's LinkedIn uh, page, his, his, his profile in the show notes. And then we'll also link to Frank's Frank's business page for EBM as well. So you can learn about his his benefits technology company as well. And I think there's a Frank, you have a great video where you actually show people like, hey, here's how I make my content. Here's the here's the technology I use to record it. Here's the technology I use to edit it. Here's the technology I use to caption it and everything. So I think that will uh, people can find that right on your your uh, your can find that right on your your uh, your LinkedIn page, which would be awesome. All right. So well, let's do a wrap. We'll do a couple rapid fire questions. And we'll get you out of here because I know you've got probably other things to do with either your family or the business. So um, for, for, first rapid fire, biggest success in your career? My biggest success in my, is my career is being able to, to, to make enough money to spend time with my family. Well said. Love it. And, and I, love, I love it. I don't know. You've done a couple of videos, I think, with your daughter. Yes. Um, which, yep. <laughs> which is like the cutest thing ever. Um, I have not done that. And it's funny. I haven't had one of them run in yet while I'm doing a live show. I'm waiting for that to happen one time. I do after they go to bed, but one day, one day they're going to wake up and run in here. Uh, <laughs> biggest failure in your career to this point? Uh, my biggest failure uh, was actually a business I started um, that we, we didn't talk about. We obviously don't have time today, but I started a company where um, all my most all my revenue is coming from one client. And, um, and that, that, um, and that, that client took all my ideas, everything that I put together for them and basically stole it and fired me. Uh, and that was a huge, so not protecting, um, what's inside your brain yeah. and, and your IP is extremely important. So that was a big lesson for me. No, I can imagine. Um, wow. That, that I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, uh, how about, um, your most favorite class in college going way back uh, my favorite class in college oddly enough was um was was one of a, it was an art class that i took but it was more not drawing it yeah. was more of the learning about art and i remember i had to tell a story it's so funny i know that this is why i like it because um uh, um it was a story of uh, john biglin and the single skull um i think it was uh john biglin or jim biglin i'm now i'm messing it up but um it was a story of it's a still image of a guy that's a still image of a guy that you it was you had to kind of describe what was going on in his brain and that was one of the most favorite things i ever did was pick apart this photo uh and and describe what was going on in this which we have no one knows what was going on in his yeah, brain. Yeah. but i thought i did but i, I was really love I absolutely love how vivid your memories are and, and, and your storytelling ability. It's, it's fantastic. Um, all right. So ne next, next question. Um, most, most important mentor in your life. Oh man, it's a tough one because I, I've never, I always consider myself not really having a mentor. Um, I, I always longed for one. Um, and I never, never really had someone who helped me kind of, truly influence you. I would say that if I had to pick a, a, someone who's given me the best advice and kind of helped me on my path, I would definitely give that to my, my father-in-law. He's, okay. he's been a, he's been a, a, a good, good, uh, a good, good, uh, good, good, I guess, mentor for me in that aspect of business. So shout out, shout out to Frank's father-in-law. All right. Um, so la last, last rapid fire question. Um, the, the, the real, what is the, the real reason that you like to do uh, volunteer and philanthropy work because I know that's a big part of who you are. I know we didn't get to talk a lot about it today, but why so much volunteer and philanthropy work? Um, well, one of the things that I'm really involved in is cystic fibrosis. Um, and I got involved, A, because I went to an event um, that I had no idea what cystic fibrosis was, and I felt really ignorant that there was this massive thing going on that I had no idea about. Um, and also because I felt very selfish. I think a lot of us in life we do things for us, you know, it's like, oh, us, you know, it's like always oh, me, 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 me. We're doing things to benefit us. We're doing, you know, this, however, it's financially, you know, material things, whatever it is, but we think about us, we put ourselves first a lot, um, which is okay. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you, when, when you are in a position where it's okay to look outside and not always be right. internal, I realized that I wasn't doing anything for anyone else. And, and that was a, for me, it's, and, and I'm involved in other things aside from cystic fibrosis. I, I came from very humble beginnings and I love, I, I love, you know, 
helping out in that area. But it's, uh, it's, it's just knowing that I'm doing something for someone besides me. And I think, you know, you might not look at it this way, but all the videos you put and all the advice you put on LinkedIn, you are absolutely giving back to the community. So it's not like a traditional nonprofit, but you're, you're help, you're making an impact, Frank. So, all right. So la sorry, one more rapid fire, then we'll go to our, our closure question. Okay. Cause this is like a, like a signature Frankie baby thing. Favorite t-shirt you wear in your videos or in your videos. Uh, well, I'll tell you cause I wear it often and a shout out to Keenan. If you're not following Keenan, he's a great dude on social media. I learned a lot from him. Um, he's I actually interviewed him on my five questions with Frank show. It hasn't released yet, but it says bet on yourself. Um, and I, I, I found that shirt um, through Keenan and I wear it very often because I bet on myself every day. Uh, yeah. And I think we all need to bet on ourselves. Yeah, I was I was actually telling my wife before this. I was like, "This guy Frank has way cooler T-shirts than me and way cooler hair." Like I, I made both of those points to her. So, all right. So, last question, and again, I, I really I thank you so much for making time, Frank. This was a lot of fun. We heard a lot of really interesting stories about your career path. But I always close with this to all my guests: if you could give people one piece of advice to help them reach their full potential, so one thing that's helped you be so successful in your career, what would that be? Well, I'll tell you, and I hope this answers your question. But I would say I've, but I would say I've learned to not compare my version of success to anyone else's. So, what makes you successful is really kind of what's in here, what's in here, and what you're striving for. Don't look externally and say, "Well, they're successful, they're successful," or "How do they do this? How do they do that?" Because you'll never get there. You don't know if that person's even happy with the success right. they're out there. So, I, I would say, do. Don't not follow your passion, but do what it is inside where you feel successful. You're going to get to a point where you're like, this is it. And, and it's not money. It's you look around right. and you take away all the material things, no matter what it is, cars, boats, whatever you have, strip all of it away or imagine it all gone and see what's left and what's left. If that really makes you happy, you find success. And usually those are people. Um, and for me, it's, it is, it's people. So I would say you can take all the material away from things away from me. And I would still be very, very happy. Frankie, baby. That is, that is, uh, that is well said. I think it's very insightful. Well said. I think it's very insightful. And I think that's something that, you know, you and I, again, we're on the same age. I think a lot of younger entrepreneurs and younger people out of, out of school could really listen to that advice because I think a lot of people think all about the material things when they're right out of school, right? They just want money, 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 you know, and it's so much more than that. So, um, all right. So again, thank you so much. It's getebm.com is your website for your benefits technology company. We'll put that in the show notes and then you can follow Frank on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll, we'll put your, your profile link in there as well. Frankie baby is the hashtag. If you just search for Frankie baby, which I love the hashtag, you'll find Frank. So Frank, again, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring. Keep motivating, and keep uh, keep keep being a great entrepreneur. We appreciate you making time. You bet. You keep listening. I'll keep making them, man. I promise you. Thanks, Frank. To learn more about our movement, visit our website fullpotentialmovement.com, or visit us on multiple social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.